Have you been considering taking your horse or Western photography passion to the next level? Hi, it's Kara with Cowgirls with Cameras, and I want to tell you about our Cottonwood Ranch photography experience in August. This experience is a workshop, portfolio builder, business clinic, and gathering set in the majestic scenery of the Nevada mountains. This event is learning intensive and full of shooting opportunities that feature ranch work, western horses, cowboys, cowgirls, horses, and dogs. You'll walk away feeling more confident in your camera, editing, and business skills, shoot a few thousand images, and gain new friends in the process. Our events are always focused on collaboration over competition, and our three instructors, myself, Kim Beer, and Phyllis Burchette, are all deeply passionate about seeing you reach your photography goals. To learn more about this event and other photography adventures we have coming up, head over to cowgirlswithcameras.com. It's time to laugh, learn, and take your photography to the next level with your favorite Cowgirls with Cameras, Kara, Kim, and Phyllis. Welcome to the Cowgirls with Cameras podcast. It's Kim with Kim Beer Photography and Be More Business. Kara with Fast Horse Photography. And Phyllis with Phyllis Burchette Photo. <laughs> Phyllis, you're already starting off laughing this today. It's going to be a good episode. We've already got a bad case of the giggles. <laughs> so here's my true confession. Since I don't have a ton to catch y'all up on, I'm going to take a little bit of my update the world time with the fact that Kara and I do this other podcast called The Business Animal. And I am uh-huh. so self-assured in when I intro that podcast, I'm like, welcome to the Business Animal Podcast. I mean, I have got it down. I know what I want to say. And every time I go to intro this one, I screw it up because I forget what I'm supposed to say. It is the most embarrassing thing. You would think after 24 episodes, I could get it freaking right. So I screw it up and Phyllis is laughing and giggling at me being a, a screw up, which I absolutely love the fact I can make Phyllis smile. So there we go. It's because you're rarely a screw up. That's why. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny that you brought up the Business Animal podcast because I just got the last episode we recorded back from the editor and she says, I hope you're feeling better. I was able to clean up most of the coughs that were in the episode because apparently I hacked my brain out the entire episode. So man, I feel yeah. so grateful we have a podcast editor. And we were both that day we recorded that we were both a wreck because that was like the day after I fell down and really hurt my finger. So both Kara and I were a little bit we were the wounded podcast hosts that day. I know. Thank goodness for those folks. So it's been another week since that and my finger is still in a splint and it is still very black and blue and bumpy and I have another five days before the doctor has to get involved so I've been doing everything I can to try to get it to behave itself and go back to being normal again before I have to go see an orthopedist which just does not sound like anything I want to particularly do. We haven't seen Kara in a week because Phyllis 
Texas and I have been mm-hmm. off to Art of the Cowgirl photographing, doing the Montana gathering. And Phyllis is going to tell you some more about that. But I will tell you this, the day we did get to shoot, I got so wrapped up in shooting that I completely forgot about my finger. And I went to get in the truck after it was all over and my brain finally caught up with me and was like, hey, just so you know, you kind of weren't paying attention to what you were doing to your finger out there. And now mm. you're going to pay the price a little bit for that. And now so it yeah, yeah. And then it was crazy because here's the thing about being a traveling photographer. I missed my first flight. It was god awful early in the morning and Kansas City has a brand new airport And I arrived a good two hours before my flight, actually two and a half, and I still didn't manage to get through getting my bag checked and get on the airplane on time. So I ended up not being able to get to the Montana gathering until like, I think I got pulled in at nine o'clock at night, which was after the first evening. And that was the thing where I was like, oh, thankfully I have a business partner like Phyllis. And Phyllis was able to pull off a beautiful photo shoot and all kinds of stuff all by herself. So not that she wouldn't have been capable of that just anyway. But (laughs) yeah, I did get to do some shooting. So I had a blast with that. And other than that, I spent a lot of time developing something called the photographer's self-assessment tool. And if it's not available right this minute on our website, it will be by the time this podcast comes out. So make sure if you want to go and find out where you are with your photography or you're thinking of improving your photography and you don't know what you want to look at to improve next, this is a great tool for you to figure that out. And all you have to do is join the Cowgirls with Cameras VIP list and it's absolutely free. So yeah, that's my update. Wow. Well, <laughs> you know, it's funny because I was really bummed that you weren't going to make it. But like you said, it's it's nice to have partners to be able to depend on when one of us is not able to get in on time or, or whatever, you know, that unfortunately may happen to keep us from getting to the shoot or to meet the group on time. So anyway, as Kim said, I have also been on the road or in the air, and I'm going to have to say that Delta kind of let both of us down a little bit this trip because it, oh, it left no. it left me in the Salt Lake City Airport for like what should have been a three-hour layover uh, ended up oh, being a no. seven-hour layover. But, uh, you know, at least I got to where I needed to be. But on the first leg of this trip, I went to Ocala, where I met Kara and Yay. we, yes, <laughs> and we got to do a one day video workshop with Alana Osborne of Alana Films, who is just lovely. I really enjoyed our time with Alana. It was a great educational experience for us, for, for, for me at least. Really yeah, eager to help. Yes. Like she was sincerely eager to help. It was really a delight. She's very passionate about what she does as we are, and she loves yep. to teach people. So we got to shoot a group of some really talented team ropers and uh, learn more about Premiere Pro and a a few new tricks on there. And hopefully I will (laughs) put this all to use as I did not my class from last year. (laughs) So from Florida, I headed to Billings, Montana, as I said, where I met my friend Cheyenne. She picked me up and Cheyenne and Shane and Stone, they own the Lazy Six Nine Ranch and raise half-drive ranch horses. I think you've probably all heard me talk about Cheyenne before, but I stayed with them for the week and got to shoot some branding images for her to use in her marketing. And from there, I went to Big Timber where I met Kim 
for our photography clinic at Art of the Cowgirl Montana Gathering, where we had six wonderful gals that joined us, very eager young photographers. Fortunately for Montana, but unfortunately for us, we had a couple of shoots canceled, including the branding at the Hagerman Ranch, which was a bummer, but thanks to an understanding, a really great group that we had, we made up for it with additional classroom time and editing time, and thanks to some other great people like the Hagermans and Heidi and Eartha and all the girls at the Big Timber Fairgrounds, we were able to get still get three shoots in, so that it worked out really good, and we worked around the rain and... And actually, we had some rain, some water for them to run through, which we've never had before. So I told you you were going to have that. I called yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> right. So that was kind of cool, too. Anyway, so Carol, other than our brief time together, what have you been up to? Well, it sounds like that that event still ended up being a really great event. Oh, and I've yeah. seen some of the images. Mm-hmm. They're starting to come out, and they're beautiful. There is something about that post-rain the way that it just lights up the color. And some of those pictures have been so pretty that are coming out of that. And I just absolutely am adoring the ones with the water reflection, like the standing water on the ground. I mean... Talk about a great example of working with photographers and being like, this is how you make the most of what you got and create something from it. And I'm loving the pictures, Kim. I've seen more of yours, I think, than anyone's, and they're beautiful. So your thumb, your finger, it might be in pain, but I think it was worth it. Okay, it was worth it for the time. (laughs) I, I have suffered for my art. Yeah, we had some amazing skies for sure. Yeah, well, I have to be honest, I could not be any more jealous and any further from the excitement that you guys have had. We are in full-on summer break (laughs) schedule mode, and it's been a challenge this year. My son is 10, so I feel a little less like I can camp him away to things like all day. So he goes to like short little camps, and then he's home with me for bursts. And then on top of it, I've had a friend's son with us. She's out of the country, so he's staying with us for a little while. So I've had for the first time in my life, two children, which some moments is easier than a single child and other moments it's much more difficult because I'm having to navigate that for the first time. So, but we're having a really good time with all of that other than the crazy minute to minute trying to figure out how I'm going to make everything work. On top of that, I'm still surprisingly shooting a bunch. Typically this time of year, I slow down and I haven't slowed down yet. So I think folks are trying to get kind of like last minute shoots in while their horses before their coats start to fade out. I've had several people mention that the horses look really good right now. I want to get their shoot in before they fade for the summer. So we've been trying to make that happen, which means that I'm doing pre-session consults, sessions, viewing and ordering appointments, artwork delivery, longer into the season than I normally do. Like a lot of seasons are just starting for photographers and mine's typically wrapping up until fall or pre-fall working into the holiday. So it's been good, but it's been a lot more client work than I was expecting this time of year. So, you know, we've been at the beach, we've been doing sightseeing stuff. And then I leave tomorrow to go to Denver where we're going to go to, oh gosh, I'm going to forget the name of that national park that's near Denver. Rocky, Rocky Mountain? Rocky no, Mountain? Well, Rocky Mountain National Park is north of Estes. Yeah. yeah. We're going there. That's mm-hmm. where we're going. So Ed has planned all the details because I haven't had a minute to do that. So we'll be flying into Denver and hopefully the Denver airport will treat us okay. Better than <laughs> Delta treated you guys. So fingers crossed we make it there tomorrow and without any hiccups. That's it. That's our update. So what are we talking about today? What are we talking about? We are talking about lenses today. Lens is every photographer's favorite addiction. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I know it's one of mine. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm looking at my lens closet. Did you hear that closet right now? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty amazing. I'm not a gear junkie. I have currently three lenses and that's it. So I don't collect them like you guys do. It's not something I've ever, ever done. I don't know why. I think it's because I've done every type of photography during my vast photography <laughs> career, career of photography, <laughs> from landscape to macro to wildlife. So I have a little bit of everything. So I'm going to talk about how to choose the right lens. And I think one thing that I think is important for people to know that sometimes investing in a new lens is often a bigger boost to your image quality than even upgrading your camera. If you want to really explore the full potential of your camera and your creativity, I really think you should consider adding another lens or two to your collection or upgrading as I think Kim's going to talk about later on. First off, the biggest factor is to know your goals so that you can pick your lens. You'll need to take into consideration what you'll be shooting, landscape, macro, wildlife, portrait, action, equine, or maybe a combination of all these like I do. So most equine photographers, our go-to lens is the F2.8 70 to 200, but there's so many other choices out there as I well know. In general, I think there's a few really important factors to consider when you do go to choose your lenses. Of course, focal length is a big one. This defines how wide or zoomed in a view the lens provides. Aperture, which is of course your F number. Then this describes how much light the lens can gather and its ability to blur the image background. Image stabilization, some lenses include optical stabilization to counter out the blurring effects of handshake. Most of your new mirrorless lenses do come with this. Format, of course, format describes the sensor size the lens is designed to work with in regards to the camera. In other words, choice of lenses depends on the size of your camera sensor, whether it's mirrorless, DSLR, crop sensor, or full frame. A lens mount determines whether the lens will physically fit your camera. In regards to lens mounts, of course, when you buy an interchangeable lens camera, you're kind of entering a relationship with that specific brand and the lenses that are available for it. For instance, like Nikon and Canon DSLRs use incompatible lens mounts, so you can't just mix and match any lens to any camera. Even within brands, you need to match the lenses to the cameras. Nikon mirrorless lenses won't work on a Nikon DSLR without an adapter. There are lots of third party brands available, Sigma, Tamron, Tokina. They offer a lot of variety, often with a better price point ratio than some of the first party lenses. When purchasing a third party lens, just be sure to choose the correct mount for your camera brand. Of course, focal length indirectly indicates the angle of view of a lens. The wide angle lens takes in a large field of view and a telephoto lens reveals a smaller angle of view. A wide angle may have a focal length of 18 or 24 millimeter while a telephoto lens may be anything from 100 to 200, 400 or more. Wide angle lenses typically are used for landscapes or working in tight quarters when you have a subject that's close to you. Whereas a telephoto or a lens that has a minimum focal length of around 85 or more are more popular for wildlife and sports or like we do for horses. Portrait lenses generally fall in the short telephoto range from about 50 to 105, although they can be longer. While shooting portraits with a wide angle can be done, I found that it will tend to cause distortion, just like if you try to use a wide angle lens for shooting horses. My typical macro lens will have a reproduction ratio of one to one, which means if you photograph 
let's just say a coin. The image of the coin projected by the lens onto the sensor is going to have the same exact size as the coin itself. So imagine how much more detail you'll get with that type of lens. Zoom lenses are, just as the name implies, are designed to zoom. So the convenience of a zoom lens really can't be beat. It offers a wide range of focal lengths, whereas a prime lens is going to be fixed at just one focal length. Keep in mind, zoom does not always mean telephoto. Telephotos is more of a long, longer, as I said, telephotos are going to have a minimum focal length of at least about 85 or more. You can have a wide angle zoom that spend their entire focal range well short of the 55 cutoff point, such as a 14 to 24, which is, I have one of those I use for a lot of work I do. I even use it for shooting horses sometimes. If the horses, like Kim loves to do shots where we're laying down on the ground and the horse is running past us, it will distort them a bit, but it's kind of a cool shot. Professional zoom lenses are quite good and are usually are gonna be more, kind of a lot more expensive than kit zooms. And a kit zoom is what I call a lens that will typically come with a, what I call a entry-level camera. As a kit. Yeah. There it is. That's why it's called a kit, because <laughs> it came together. <laughs> exactly. Thank you, Kara. Just stating the obvious is what I do really well. <laughs> Sometimes I overlook the obvious. <laughs> Your prime lenses are, as I said before, fixed focal length lenses with just one field of view. Prime lenses are some of the best lenses you can get for the money. In most cases, they're going to have better image quality and low light performance than their zoom counterparts. Prime lenses typically do come with larger apertures that let in more light and allow for more background blur, which is, I think, really nice as we all love to have a nice bokeh mm -hmm. in our images. Of course, then you have autofocus versus manual focus. There are some great still manual focus lenses on the market. I, of course, prefer, I think most of us prefer autofocus. And of course, if you always wanted to shoot manual, you could even with autofocus lens. So I think that's about all I have to say. I think you have th some things to add to that, don't you, Kim? I, I have a lot to add to that when we get to talking about <laughs> upgrading your lens and what you should choose. I know that you and I, Phyllis, when we were talking with this with our students just this last week, they had some really specific questions when it came to lenses, like, what do you use? And I know that for most equine photographers, our go-to lens is the 70 to 200 2.8. That is our workhorse for almost every equine photographer I know. And when we talk about people bringing lenses to our workshops, that's the one lens we kind of tell everybody that they should make sure that they pack in their bag. And the reason why I think we all love that lens, and you guys tell me if there's a reason other than this, but it's because it's so flexible. You can pull out to 70 and you can get scenery. You can do kind of a nice environmental portrait at a 70. And then you can zoom all of the way in at 200 and get that beautiful creamy background at a really open wide aperture. The glass is always pretty good on these lenses. They come in 2.8 and 4. And we of course prefer the 2.8s because we can get that super creamy background when it's zoomed all the way into 200. And then you have that beautiful range for portraits between 100 and about 140 zoomed in that kind of 100 to 140 millimeter is just absolutely gorgeous for portraits. So it allows us to put one lens on the camera and get a lot of versatility. That said, 
other photographers prefer to shoot in primes. We have a good friend, Corrine Shippers, who is the head of the Equine Photographers Network, who does a lot of work with prime lenses, and her work is lovely. So it's not the only option, but it is the one that I go to in my bag, and I know for Phyllis and Kara, I see them using that same lens a lot. And then as a photographer, you might want to round out your lens selections by having a wide angle. Personally, in my bag, I carry a Canon 16 to 35 L, which is that really ultra wide angle. So I can get those silly shots where I'm laying down on my ground. Phyllis is, Phyllis is very accurate in that. I do love to lay down on the ground and shoot <laughs> up. And I loved how we were driving back to the airport and we're having a conversation about some of this stuff. And Phyllis is like, you know, I always forget now that you don't really have to lay down anymore. We have those flip out screens and you can flip it out and just hold your camera down. (laughs) And I'm like, you know, darn it, that's the truth. And yet I'm wallering around on the dirt, wondering Uh, if we can get into the restaurant later. (laughs) Yeah, not get cow poop and horse poop on our jeans and... (laughs) Where is the fun in that, though? I was going to say it was pretty wet. You guys must have been laying in a puddle this week. Yeah, it was really wet. And Phyllis did get horse poop or cow poop. I don't know which, but there was poop on her pants. (laughs) When we went to the restaurant, we were a little bit like, are they going to let us in? And as a matter of fact, Phyllis went and asked, are we dressed appropriately? Because it was one of the nicer restaurants. And apparently in Billings, Montana, there's not a lot of dress code for a restaurant. So That was in Big Timber. (laughs) Big Timber, sorry. In Big Timber, there's not a lot of dress code. Good correction. I forgot we were there. So yeah, probably Billings, they'd have kicked us out. But Big Timber was like, come on in and eat. You're all good. You know, so that lower wide angle range is also really nice. Kara, if you look at Kara's work, particularly go look at her Instagram, she does some really cool wide angle shots where I always feel like a little worried that she's going to get stepped on by the horse because she's like laying right underneath the horse's nose. And she has really cute pictures of horses being characters. I didn't know you worried about me. <laughs> I do. Really I special. do worry about you. Well, you're, you're the baby. You're the baby. We I'm always worry baby. about you. <laughs> I don't know what that says. I don't know what that says. Yeah, you're the baby. You all, but you the baby of this group, anyway. <laughs> I have this photo that I think it's on my Instagram of Powderhorn a year or two ago, where Kara has the rider roping her or throwing the rope, and she is uh-huh. like right at the horse's feet. And I swear the guy is looking at me like, "Is it really okay for me to be doing this?" <laughs> And, and it's it's kind of funny, but that looks back at you. Yeah, that wide angle lens lets you capture shots like that. So having that wide angle is really important. And then on the upper end of things, if you're going to be far away from stuff, you might have like a 200 to 400 zoom or something like that. So in your kit, in your bag, that is a lot of the lenses that you might carry around. Now, when it comes to choosing those lenses, I want to give you some advice about the quality of those lenses. So, 
there's professional lenses and there's not so professional lenses. And there's things that separate the two. So Phyllis mentioned kit lenses, which are pretty common. And they're usually more on the wide angle side of things. And a lot of times they're a zoom lens. Or years ago, I used to, used to just get a 50 millimeter prime lens with every camera you bought. But now it tends to be like a 24 to 80 zoom that comes with most of them. And honestly, they're not professional level lenses. And there's some things that set apart those kit or less expensive lenses from the more professional lenses. And one of the things that sets them apart is that the professional lenses are better built. And they have to be, especially if they have a wider aperture. So the wider aperture of a lens in 2.8, 1. 1.4, I think is the widest, didn't it? Is there anything wider than a 1? That's a really full full and wide aperture. And when you think about that, if it's all of the way open and the aperture in your camera is all the way open, that means it's using the most glass at the end of that lens. And so there cannot be any distortions in the glass. So we talk a lot of times, you'll hear photographers talk about the fact they really want good glass or that that's good glass. That means that that glass at the end of the lens doesn't have distortions. And that's a little bit harder to come by. It requires a little bit more perfection in the manufacturing process. And so those wider apertures like 2.8, 1.4, they're going to require the manufacturer to take a few steps to make sure that they're at a quality that is going to look really good at those bigger aperture openings or bigger f-stops. So that's going to make a difference in the price. And you'll notice that right away when you're shopping for lenses, you can buy a 70 to 200 f4, or you can buy a 70 to 200 2.8. And the 2.8 being bigger than the 4 means that the 2.8 is a more expensive lens. It has better glass. Another thing that separates those less expensive lenses from the more expensive lenses is the size of the sensor. An APS-C sensor lens is going to be less expensive than a full frame lens. That's the same reason. You have to have good glass over a larger area. So it makes a difference because the APS-C sensors are smaller than the full frame sensors. Another thing is the weather ceiling and just what the lens is made out of. Like if you pick up a 70 to 200 or equivalent non-L lens in the Canon line, and then you pick up an L lens, you'll notice a lot of differences right away. You'll notice a difference in what the lens is made out of. You'll notice a difference in the weight. You'll notice in a difference in how smoothly the zoom, if it's a zoom lens, moves and turns. You may notice that there is image stabilization in the lens. So all of those things are things that add value to that lens and make it a quote unquote better lens and so thusly a more expensive lens. So when you're considering buying lenses, as Phyllis mentioned, and I fully buy into this, that your lens is more important to the quality of the image than your camera is, or as important, at least. I think she didn't quite go that far. I think she said almost as important, and I would put it as even more important than the camera, depending on the camera body, of course. The lens really is the thing 
that makes a lot of difference in your photo. So my advice to people is always buy the best lens that you can afford. Now, with that said, I want everyone to hear me loud and clear. I made a lot of money and I made enough money to buy myself a L lens when I could get to that point with a Sigma, which is a third party 70 to 200. I shot with that lens for many years. I've had award-winning photos I took with Sigma lenses. I had very, very good luck with them. I do love my L lens. And I think my first party, as Phyllis mentioned, lens works amazingly well with my camera. And so I recommend you buy the best lens that you can afford. If you're upgrading from a regular full frame DSLR to a mirrorless, there are adapters that do not hinder the quality of the lens that you can use to keep using your quote good glass on your mirrorless camera. And I of course do shoot with one of those, but I also, and Kara's gonna talk in a moment about renting lenses. I rent the RF, which is Canon's mirrorless lens of the 7200 version because I love that lens so much and it'll be the next lens I add to my kit. I really do adore it. So when you're thinking of buying the lens, buy the best one that you can buy, the best one you can afford. But don't let that hold you back if you want to do photography as a business from going out and shooting jobs. You do not need L quality lenses or high-end Nikon lenses, or you can use those third-party lenses and make a lot of money with them. So don't feel like you have to hold yourself back. The time that you know it's time to upgrade if you have one of those lenses is when you can afford it. So as you see yourself making more money, then by all means, add that other lens to your kit. Go ahead and upgrade it and sell your third-party lens or your prosumer lens to somebody that can utilize it to go ahead and step their world up. So that's a really good consideration. One more thing that I want to mention is I know a lot of people, they want to buy, let's say you have an APS-C camera, and you're going to want to upgrade at some point to a full frame body or to a mirrorless that's using a full frame equivalent. And you may wanna buy for the time being, you may want to have a lens, you have the lens that fits your APS size C sensor, but you're considering upgrading your lens before your camera body. You can put a full frame lens on an APS size C camera for the sensor, but you need to remember that when you do that, you've got to multiply the focal length printed on the lens by 1.5 to be able to get the equivalent focal length. So for example, if you mount a 50 millimeter lens that's full frame on an APS size C sensor camera, basically you're shooting with a 75 millimeter lens on a full frame camera. So you've got to do some math to understand what you're getting. So when you get that 70 to 200, your 70 to 200 is going to be a lot more zoomed in than you think it's going to be. If you take it to, if it's an APS, am I getting that right? Or am I confusing people? Kara, help me. 
It's a lot of math. I don't, I'm just saying. It is a lot of math. The numbers are like above me in a bubble and it's like someone's a mathematician's writing on the math board and. Hey, if I can follow you, then I think most people can. (laughs) Were you you following me? Was I making sense? I was following you. Perfect. Okay, good. I'm confusing myself. I want to put an asterisk on this to say math is not my strong suit. This is why I'm a photographer. I'm a growth strategist. This is why I guess in photography, you do have to use math. I have to use algebra. We're those people that use algebra, right? You have to use it for lighting. You do. You have to use ratios. More more so than, yeah. But all of that said, just be aware that when you mix and match APC, APSC, and full frame, you have to do math to figure stuff out. So my recommendation is to go ahead and upgrade your lenses and then upgrade your camera body if you're going that direction. I would say a general rule is just know that you're going to get more focal length, period. Yep. (laughs) Good. Okay, Kara is looking at me like, Kim, you need to move on. <laughs> no, no, I'm still I'm still thinking about the math. It's like just running above me, just running above me. I just don't operate that way. So what I want to say to everyone out there that's listening and feeling a little overwhelmed is it's totally fine if you don't have a closet full of lenses. It's totally fine if you don't have expensive camera gear. You can still go out and take great pictures, which Kim and Phyllis have both said. You can still go to workshops. You can still create art. This is the thing. I don't have a big closet of lenses, and I'm still out there doing my thing. I typically have one or two generations back in terms of gear. That's just how I've operated always. I'm usually buying refurbished. I don't normally buy the newest. My most recent camera was actually a new camera, but every other camera that I've purchased has been a refurbished camera. So that is okay. That is totally okay. Also, if you're crappy at math like I am, we'll muddle through this together. It'll be okay. I'm going to talk about rental options because I rent a lot. And part of the reason I do that is because I have purchased the gear that I need for the everyday of my business, but there are lots of other reasons why you might want to rent gear. So I wanted to just kind of run through some of those. First of all, it makes sense to rent gear versus buying gear for lots of different reasons. One of them is that it could be cost effective if you only need it for a specific project or you're wanting to try it out or any number of reasons. If you just can't afford the big purchase right now, it's okay to rent gear. I do this all the time. I've rented gear for many reasons, and we'll talk about some of the reasons, and you guys are welcome to chime in. It's awesome to rent gear when you just want to test something out before you buy it. You can't afford a new camera. You are trying to decide between a couple cameras. Rent one, go out and use it. Rent another one, go out and use it and find something that feels good in your hand and find something that you like the way that it works for you. That is okay. That's actually pretty darn smart. We test drive cars before we buy them, right? So I don't know about you, but my gear costs as much as my vehicle probably at this point. So I'm going to test drive my gear too. So sometimes you need something for just a specific project. Maybe you have a specific portrait project or you've been hired to do a certain job and you need something just for that job. You can rent the gear just for that purpose and then turn it back in when you're done with it. You've got the job completed, but you don't have to have it sitting on a shelf getting dusty. Sometimes you've got to send your gear out for maintenance. It needs to be repaired. It needs to be looked at and it needs to be maintained to stay in shape on a regular basis. But you may still have jobs that you need to get done. When your gear is gone, 
rental gear can be a great option to keep you moving and to keep you going during that time period. I recently had an experience where I had a broken piece of gear and I still had a lineup of shoots. These things happen. I have a backup camera, yes, but that particular lens that I was using, I, I think I mentioned it already, I only own three lenses right now. And the lens that I like to use, it wasn't working correctly. So I had to send it to be repaired and I was able to rent a replacement piece to get me through that time period period. So sometimes our gear, it breaks and needs to be replaced and our backup gear doesn't always cut it. Sometimes you just want to play with something new. You want to be creative. You want to try something new. There's so many things you can rent out there besides lenses, besides cameras. You can rent lighting gear. You can rent, gosh, just so many things. There's different things you can rent to just play with. I'm going to give you guys a list of rental companies. It's fun to just go on and surf to see what they have because you might be inspired and want to try something. And then the last one here is one that we recommend a lot. I typically travel with a backup camera, sometimes two backup cameras, but we have a lot of photographers that join us at events and maybe they only have one camera that they use on a regular basis. We usually recommend that they bring a backup camera with them because you don't want to pay for a workshop, pay for an event and be there shooting and have these cool scenes in front of you and have your gear go out on you and not have anything to shoot with for the rest of the week. That's a game stopper. So we usually recommend that if you don't have backup gear, rent something that you can bring with you so you do have backup gear. And if you're going to do it, you might as well rent something fun you can play with and that you might want to move into later on when you're ready to make a camera purchase. There are a couple of things that you're going to want to consider if and when you choose to rent camera gear. I try when possible to rent locally and I like to go and physically pick it up myself. And I like to open the gear up right in front of the people that are renting it to me, I take it out, I take a look at it, I make sure it's in good shape before I take it home and get to work with it. That is not always possible. Sometimes you're renting from a company that's shipping it to you. That is okay. If you do that, don't let it sit until you need it. Open it up when it arrives because if it's damaged in shipping, you want to make sure that you catch that quick and you can get replacement gear sent to you before you need it. And also that you're able to document that. So I've definitely have fallen slack and had rental gear come and just let it sit for the week and then open it up and put it to use. That's a mistake. Try not to get yourself in that position. Also, spend some time researching. I'm going to give you guys some options to start with, but I would definitely spend some time comparing rates. There are some differences, and some of the rental companies will include insurance and will include shipping in the price. Other companies, that's an add-on. So you want to take some time to compare the pricing, the price options, and make sure that you rent from a company that's in your price range. Some companies require insurance, some don't require insurance, and some have within their rental policies, you want to make sure that you understand things like late charges, what your options are there. Do they require anything specific when you're returning it in terms of shipping pricing? And also, if you are somewhere on a job or the job gets extended or the workshop gets extended or your plane gets delayed and you get home late, is there an option for you to extend the rental without a queuing occurring, incurring? Oh boy, here we go. Without getting additional charges. Incurring. Laughing you were right with incurring. Incurring. Yeah. Yeah. I was also right about the word scarcity the other day, by the way, when we were on the business animal podcast. <laughs> Since the um, scarcity. 
<laughs> I just have to throw that out there. <laughs> yeah. So make sure that you're aware though of if they're going to charge you to extend it, that's a pretty reasonable thing for them to do, but that it's something that you're prepared for and what the process looks like. The other thing that you want to do is make sure that the product you need is available. So I like to have a couple different companies at any point in time that I rent from that I know I can get in touch with them order the gear and have it sent to me pretty quickly. But sometimes I have gone to order the gear and it's just not available when I need it. So I have to jump to a secondary company that I would use. So make sure that the gear is available. If you know in advance that you're going to need it, go ahead and put your order in and have it ready to roll so that you don't run into a situation where it's not available when you need it. The second to last thing that I wanted to mention under things to consider is reputation and reviews of the company. I recommend starting with word of mouth reviews from other photographers that you know. So people who you know that have physically used the company before. They can let you know what their experience is, but they also might have a referral code or a referral fee discount code that they can send to you to get you started on your first rental. But start with that. And then go check out the company's reputation online, read their reviews, see how they respond to their clients. I think that's a big one. You know, we do that with other things. You want to make sure you do it when you're renting gear. And the last thing here under things to consider when you choose to rent camera gear, ease of return. How easy is it to get that gear back to them? I have a local company, which I always get frustrated when I have to return it because they have one time a day that they meet people for returns. And so if I can't be there at that time, I have to wait till the next day to return it. The other option then is mailing your gear in. So does it come with a box you can ship it with? Are they giving you the shipping label? How easy do they make that process for you? So definitely check that out. And then I wanted to share with you guys some options that we have used and Phyllis and Kim, feel free to jump in here if you have any feedback on these options or if you have anything you want to add to my list. The first thing I would tell folks is think about what you already have as your resource. I'm a Canon professional services member. I think Kim is as well. And Phyllis, you are a Nikon professional member as well, right? Okay. So for Canon, they do allow you to test gear for up to 10 days, some of their gear, not all of it, but some of the newer pieces, they definitely allow you to test it for up to 10 days. That might be an option for you. So look at that. If you're already a Canon professional services member, that might be an option for you. Now, Kim, it looks like, or Phyllis, it looks like Nikon offers some membership levels that that offers replacement gear as well. Can you speak to that a little bit as a Nikon person? Uh, Yes, Nikon does offer replacement gear while your gear is being repaired. And they also, if if you're out of town or, or even locally on a shoot and you have a piece of equipment that fails or or you unfortunately drop it and it's damaged, they will send you a replacement gear or gear to borrow during that time to get you out of a jam. So yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Perfect. Okay. I knew Nikon had something equivalent. So what I'm saying there is start with what you already have and see if there's an option that you can work with before you then move on to a third party company. So a couple companies that I have used in the past, the first one is Borrow Lenses. This company I've used several times. One of the things that I like about this company is that 
if I go somewhere and I don't want to carry all my gear, like maybe I want to bring a special lens or I want to bring backup gear, I can have them ship it to the location that I'm going to be at. So it's kind of a nice way not to have to carry so much. And if you have the extra time when you get there to pick it up and get to a, a place that you can ship it back, it's kind of a nice perk having your gear rented and, and sent to you. Just to throw that out there. I have used borrow lenses. I've had good success with them. I also had one issue with them where they sent me a lens that was broken. I reported it and they never responded to my report, just never responded to it. So I'm just going to put that out there. They're a big company. So maybe it got lost somewhere. The Lens Depot is another great option. All of these are Googleable. Have either of you used the Lens Depot? I've used them once and I had a good experience. No, they were good for me when I used them. Lensfly is local to me and they have always been great, but they ship nationally. I've had them ship gear to locations that I was going to be at and I've had them ship it to my house and I've picked it up personally. They've always been really great. They're local. Rent Glass, I know is in Kansas City and that one's local to you, Kim. You've used them before, right? I have, and I love this company. They are the nicest people. Picking up your stuff, if you do it live, you have to make an appointment, but you can pick an hour Mm -hmm. to make the appointment. It's super simple. They're a great, they're really just darn nice people. And they'll answer questions if you're in there live. And heck, they'll answer them over the phone if you need them to. But I've been very, very pleased with them. Their gear is always in good shape. It's clean. They take good care of everything. Just a really, really nice company to work with. And it's a smaller company, but they have a really nice selection of stuff to choose from. And I will choose them every time over other lens rental places, just because they're local Mm -hmm. to me more than anything, but also because I like helping those smaller businesses get a leg up in this industry. So yeah, they're awesome. Highly recommend. Five out of five stars. Phyllis, do you have any rental companies that aren't on my list that you've used before? I have never rented equipment before. Really? Well, when you have a closet, you don't need to. Yeah. Look at Phyllis. Money bags over here. Camera money bag. She's like rolling in lenses. Oh. Yeah. That that tells you about her lens closet. Yeah. Oh, she she flops. I'm picturing her in slow motion, flopping down on her bed and lenses <laughs> bouncing around her in slow motion. Like just, she's just in the Are lap of le- would, lens luxury. <laughs> she would never do that, Kara. That might make one of those Nikons go ding. That's true. I'm just saying it would make for a good visual. I don't want any boo-boos on my lenses. (laughs) (laughs) Well, all right. So the thing that I'm trying to say is, is there are a bunch of options out there. If you don't have a closet full of lenses, that's okay. Don't be scared to rent something. There are some really great articles actually online that highlight the pros and cons of some of the top online rental companies. And there are lots of reasons why you might want to rent and lots of benefits to renting lenses and camera gear in general. So don't be afraid to do that. I think that's all I've got. I hope that folks are out there and they're willing to to play a little bit. This is a great way to do it. I do have a lens closet and I do rent. So I guess I'm I'm the best of both worlds between <laughs> all of this. I feel like the camera poor person right now. Yeah, I have a lot of camera bodies too. Just because I refuse to sell something that I paid $4,000 for for 
on the cheap so somebody could sell it for something else anyway. I'd rather keep them and loan them to people, which is what I end up doing. But gear is something that, you know, it's it's something I think we all get gear envy on occasion. Like I know when I was first starting to do workshops, I'd roll into some of the workshops where I was the instructor and, and I would look at my students and they had so much better gear than I did. I'd be like, oh my gosh, am I a real photographer? And the truth is, is that the gear really only makes up a small percentage of what it takes to make a photograph and to make a good one. With that said, it is an important percentage. And I really encourage people to do a lot of rental and experimentation and watch videos and go to YouTube and do the reviews on YouTube. Listen to what people say about lenses. I know for me, and Canon may get upset with me, but they have a 200, what is it? It's a 100 to 300 zoom lens that is a pro line lens that I was really considering buying. And I'm super glad that I rented it because when I shot with it, every photo I took with it was soft. And I thought it was the copy until I talked to some other photographers. Then they're like, no, that's just that lens. So renting before you invest a ton of money in a lens is really a smart idea because you may not like that lens. And it's also one that you have to push pull to Zoom, which is not something everybody's used to. So rent the equipment, see what you like, fill your closet, don't fill your closet. No matter what's in your bag, get out there and take pictures. So just a reminder to folks, if you've got your gear ready, we've got events ready for you to come and join us at. We have our incredible Cottonwood Ranch experience where we're still open for a few more participants. And we have our Trappers Lake Lodge photography retreat. Is there anything else I'm missing? I know you guys have another Art of the Cowgirl coming up, right? Yeah, we have one in Oklahoma in October. And the registration's okay. not going to be open that for that a little while. However, we are going to start filling space for that early ourselves. Okay. So you can reach out to either myself or Phyllis. If that's something that you're interested in coming to, this is a totally different spot than anybody has ever shot in before on our workshops Ooh. in particular, but it's not an overly shot specific area either. It's going to be in Oklahoma, which has some very diverse uh, scenery. So if you're interested in that, it is through Art of the Cowgirl and eventually you will have to register through them. But if you get a hold of Phyllis or I, we'll make sure that you're notified immediately and that you can plan for that. And it is the second weekend in October. So we're super excited about it. Or actually, it's the 13th, I think, of October. It may be the third weekend in October. I'm busy in October and want to go to Oklahoma. Just reach out. We'll get you dates and info. And otherwise than that, be sure to come to Cottonwood Trappers Lake too. Oklahoma is the 13th through the 15th of October. There we go. Cotton right. was in August and Trappers Lake is in September, the end of September, correct? Yes. Yes. The yes, end of September. Yes. <laughs> yes. We will be there the end of September. We've got so much going on. We can't remember where we're going to be. <laughs> we do. But you're going to want to join us. So yes. thank you guys so much. Just a reminder, we love hearing that you are listening. So head over to Cowgirls with Cameras, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook and let us know. And if you're wanting to know more about our events, head to cowgirlswithcameras.com and navigate to our events tab. And we will see you guys there. Bye, y'all. Thanks for listening to this episode of Cowgirls with Cameras. Don't let the laughter and learning stop here. 
Join our community on social media and be sure to visit our website for more opportunities to fulfill your photography goals. Head to cowgirlswithcameras.com. That's cowgirlswithcameras.com. See you next time.